Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, if you could grab it, whether it's on a device or your pew Bible or uh, a Bible that you brought with you, and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to stay in the Old Testament uh, through the spring, and we're going to do a st- the new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And you might be saying, why Proverbs? Well, a couple of reasons. There are probably lots. Let me mention two. One is as your pastor, I feel like it is part of my responsibility uh, to make sure that we, as a church, have a balanced, healthy diet of the Scriptures. We've studied the Gospels. We've looked at the Gospel of John. We've looked at a letter from the Apostle Paul written to Galatia. We have looked at a prophet, the prophet Jonah. We've looked at historical books in the Bible and Old Testament narratives. Um, And we need to do some wisdom literature uh, because that is what it means to have a healthy diet of the Bible. And so we're going to look at Proverbs this fall. That's one, or this spring, that's one reason. The second reason is that Proverbs is hardly talked about uh, in our culture. Wisdom is hardly talked about in our culture and in the church. And the thing, as I've been studying this week, is the Bible says it's urgent that you and I have wisdom, and that if we don't get wisdom, then we are going to make a wreck out of our lives. It is that urgent, the Bible says. So that's the other reason that we're going to study uh, the book of Proverbs. Uh, And before we dig in to a book like Proverbs, it's important to remember that you don't study the Bible the same way, all the Bible the same way, because the Bible has different genres in it. And so Proverbs is a very different book, and you're going to see that as we dig in. We've been dealing with lots of narratives over the past several months, looking at stories where you take huge chunks out of the Bible and look at them, not so with wisdom literature. A proverb is poetry. It's a very vivid image of something. It's a provoking saying uh, that is meant to stir you. And it conveys tons of truth. Think about the Proverbs that you know and have read. Lots of truth in very few words. Proverbs are neither absolute commands, nor are they promises. And oftentimes, they are only partial. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, When you study a book like Proverbs, you have to put it beside other Proverbs on the same subject in order to get a full picture of what the proverb is actually teaching. And so when you study a book of Proverbs, and this is the way we're going to do it in the spring, is we're going to look at it topically. We're going to group the Proverbs together under different subjects. So we're going to look at things like anger and what the Proverbs say about anger and our work and our money and our marriage and our friendships, and many, many other things. The other thing that I think is important to realize about Proverbs is that the goal of Proverbs is to get you to think rightly about the way the world really works. It's to get you to, to hard thinking. And so a book like Proverbs takes reflection and meditation and hard thinking. I love how Tim Keller puts this. He said, Proverbs is like eating hard candy. 
There are two ways to eat hard candy. You, you know this. You can take a piece of hard candy and you can put it in your mouth and you can bite down right away immediately. And when you do that, there's a risk of obviously breaking a tooth. But there's also a risk, or, or, or there's also a, the, the bad part about eating candy that way is you don't get to enjoy it. You don't get to savor the flavor and get all you can, all the sweetness out of that piece of candy. That's one way to eat it. Bite down immediately and you miss it. Or the second way, which is the way Proverbs should be read, uh, is that you should put it in your mouth and you should take your time and you should savor the flavor uh, and enjoy it and think about it. And that's the way we're supposed to read Proverbs. You're supposed to meditate and reflect on it until the sweetness comes to the surface, until you get the insight out of it. And so for that reason, I want to encourage you, you don't have to do this, but I want to encourage you uh, to immerse yourself in some ways in Proverbs over the next couple of months. Proverbs has 31 chapters. Take a chapter a day and read through the book of Proverbs a few times throughout our study. Uh, Get into it. Jump into it and immerse yourself in it. Because if we are going to get wisdom, then we have to train in it. Wisdom is not something that comes overnight. This spring, we're going to enroll. Some of you, this will make you cringe. Others of you, this will make you excited because you love school. But we're going to enroll this spring in the school of godly wisdom as we study the book of Proverbs. This morning, we're going to start with the first chapter. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. So follow along with me as I read God's word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness and justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us this morning with this passage. Let's pray together. Father, we do need your help uh, with a book like Proverbs. Um, I pray that you would come this morning through your spirit and you would make this passage clear, that you would bring clarity, help us to understand, also help us to apply this to our own hearts and to see um, where we are what Proverbs calls sometimes uh, foolish. Show us our foolishness through your spirit, but also show us uh, wisdom, the wisdom of God that is in Christ Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, And so if we're going to enroll in the school of godly wisdom, if we're enrolling in school for the next couple of weeks, there's a few things we need to know. We need a definition, don't we? We need to know what wisdom is. So that's the first point. And secondly, we need to know what are the requirements for the course. Uh, who, Who is wisdom for? And lastly, we need to know how you get it. 
So those are the three headings uh, this morning that we will be looking at. So let's look at number one. What is wisdom? What's the definition of wisdom? Look at verse one. The word wisdom means skill or expertise or a masterful understanding of something. And so let me try to give you some other places in Scripture where it's used to help kind of bring some clarity to it. Exodus 28, verse 3, Aaron is the high priest, and it says that his garments are made by wisdom. His garments are made, same word, by skillful people. Wise people. The other place we see it bring clarity, 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 14, Solomon's building the temple, and he gathers men that have wisdom in order to build it. In other words, men who have skill and expertise in their particular trade in order to build the temple. But wisdom, as we're going to see in this opening chapter, it's multifaceted. It's like a diamond. When you look at it in different ways, uh, you get the beauty of it and you see different things. That's the way wisdom is. It's multifaceted. Uh, And so we see several words here that give us insight, further and deeper insight into wisdom. Let's name a couple. Verse 2, insight. Insight is the ability to notice distinctions and shades of different. Insight is the ability not just to tell the difference between right and wrong. That's often very clear. Insight, an insightful person is someone who is able to tell the difference between good, better, and best. Verse 4, prudence and discretion. Prudence and discretion is someone who not only knows what to do, but also knows when to do it. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs twenty-seven fourteen. If you bless your neighbor loudly in the morning, they will take it as a curse. So someone who is, has discretion and prudence, they know uh, how someone is going to respond to certain kinds of behavior. They know if you bless your neighbor early in the morning, how they will take that. So they don't do that early in the morning. That's someone who exercises discretion. Verse 3, wise dealings, gets at this idea of someone who knows how to handle different, you don't treat every, you don't handle everyone the same. You know how to handle different kinds of people in different kinds of ways. And so when we pull all of those things together, here's our definition for Proverbs if you're a note taker. Proverbs is the skill and expertise in doing life. Skill and expertise in living life. Another way to say it is it's skill at living. To say it another way, wisdom is the ability to navigate life well. It's the ability to make the right choice even when there is no clear moral law telling you explicitly what to do. Your hard Von Rod says it this way, and I love his definition of wisdom. He says, wisdom is becoming competent with regards to the realities of life. Wisdom is knowing how things really happen, how things really are, and knowing what you should do about it. Most people, when they think of wisdom, they think of wisdom as someone who is smart and have, has lots of head knowledge. That's not the way the Bible talks about wisdom. 
you can have the book of Proverbs memorized and still be what the Bible calls a fool. You can blow the ACT out of the water. You can get a full ride to any school, the school of your choice, and still be someone who lacks wisdom. You can have knowledge but not have wisdom. But let's think about the reverse. Can you have wisdom without knowledge? No. Why? Because at the heart of wisdom is taking what you know and applying it to life. And so you must have knowledge of a particular subject before you can apply it. Wisdom is having knowledge and understanding, not only of God and the Bible, of course, but a wise person has wisdom. They have knowledge of how people work. They have knowledge of the human heart and how it works. They have knowledge of how relationships work between real people. They have knowledge of suffering and death. Wisdom is knowing way more than just the facts. It's taking the facts and applying them to real life. So what? Why is that important? Why is wisdom so important for us? Well, simply put, I I think wisdom is important because life is complicated. You might have heard people say, uh, it's not that complicated. All you need to do is do this or that and it'll be fine. Wrong. (laughs) That's not the world in which I live in. And I don't think it's the world in which you live in. You and I live in a world that is very complicated. It's complicated because it's full of gray areas. Gray areas that often are not easy for us to discern what to do. In real life, we are faced, think about this, you are faced, some of you daily, with endless number of decisions and choices that you have to make. Some of those are really small, but some of those are really large, and they have the potential to completely throw your life off the rails and send it into a tailspin. And they, and oftentimes there is no clear-cut right answer on what you should do. Let me give you an example and a picture. I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago over lunch, and he was talking about a particular situation in, work, in his workplace when he was in a meeting and someone with him uh, that was on his team responded very poorly towards someone that was across the table from them. So it was very awkward. My question to him, think about, I've got wisdom on the brain here. I'm thinking about this book. And so my question was, did you confront him? And I thought he responded with incredible wisdom. He says, no, I didn't have to. I know, he's told me before, that he struggles with anger. And I knew exactly after it happened that he felt awful about it. You could see it on his face. You could see it in his body language. And if I were to confront him, it would have been piling on more shame and guilt. You see the difference? You see, see, that's wisdom. And oftentimes there is no guidebook and a clear-cut answer for for how we are to respond in situations like that. And we face them every single day. Friends, the Ten Commandments don't tell you when to confront someone and how to do it. The Ten Commandments don't tell you who you should marry and when you should marry them. The Ten Commandments don't tell you which job to take. 
and when you should actually move to another city to take a job. The Ten Commandments don't tell you when to move from your house or to stay put. Parents, the Ten Commandments don't tell you what to do when your child comes home with a black eye. They don't tell you what to do uh, with screen time and technology. How much screen time is too much screen time? Are your children allowed to go into that neighbor's house or that neighbor's house? Are they allowed to play with those people on the street or these people on the street? I just think about parenting. And I, Susie and I, I remember just being in the throes of parenting, thinking about the millions of decisions that you are faced with every single day and you don't know what to do and you think any one of them could completely throw your child off in a different direction. Students. How do you know what to major in in college? Do you hang out with those people in order to point them towards Jesus and love them? Or will hanging out with those people completely pull you away from Jesus and send you in a different direction? It's complicated. How do we navigate those decisions? those gray areas of life, and actually do it well. And that is so important for us to spend several weeks on because that is where we live, isn't it? We live in those gray areas and there's no training for that. You don't have classes on this in schools telling you what to do in those moments. And so what we tend to do is we navigate them blindly and just do what we think is best at the moment. And the Bible is amazing, friends, because it comes to us, and right smack in the middle of the Bible, there's this book called Proverbs that acknowledges the nuances and the complexities of life. And it says, you don't need more education. You don't need more rules. What you need is this thing called wisdom. And that's why we are studying this book of Proverbs this fall. Because we want to be a church that doesn't go blindly through life, but instead goes through life with wisdom, with great skill at applying the truth of God's Word to everyday life. Secondly, what are the requirements? Who is wisdom for? There's two groups of people mentioned in these early verses. and The first group is the simple. Look at verse 4. To give prudence to the simple and discretion to the young. You'll see the simple pop up in Proverbs. And so who are they? Well, some translations, maybe your translation says this. I actually like it better because I think it brings clarity to the simple. Some translations say and use the word gullible. Which I think is helpful. Uh, And that is the person that honestly doesn't know any better. Someone who is gullible doesn't know what to do in a particular situation. They can be easy, but here's the thing, they can be easily led. And so they're teachable, but at the same time, that can be bad because they can be easily misled. And we're going to see this in Proverbs, the personification of lady wisdom and lady folly. And they're calling out to the simple saying, please come and follow me. But here's the main idea that I want you to get about the simple. The simple and the young are willing to listen. They're willing to listen. They're open to hearing what wisdom has to say. And like gullible children, they are highly teachable. And that's important. They're open. The second group is a group called the wise. Look at how they're described, verse 3. 
A wise person is someone who's able to receive instruction. And the word instruction there is the word for discipline, not spiritual disciplines, but correction. So someone who is wise is able to be corrected. Verse 5, the wise hear and increase in learning and guidance. And so a wise person is someone who's able to be guided. They listen and they follow people that are wise. And so here's the thing that I want you to see. Do you see the connection? Do you see the common thread between the simple and those that are wise? The common thread is humility and teachability. A willingness to learn and grow no matter how far along the person might be. Do you want to enroll and advance in the school of godly wisdom this spring? It takes humility and teachability. Wise people are people who know they need wisdom. They understand that they don't know everything. They don't have all the answers. They're able to receive correction. They're able to, they take advice from people. They do not believe that they've arrived or passed the class, but they believe there's always more wisdom to be gained. Verse 7. You'll see this thread through the book of Proverbs. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You'll see this group of folks throughout the study of Proverbs called the fools. And that's not a term or a put down. It's a descriptive term of a person who first and foremost rejects God and his wisdom, but someone who also rejects other people's wisdom. And so they are a, they're a person, a fool is someone who hates correction, who hates instruction because they are wise in their own eyes. They know everything. Thank you very much. They're not teachable. They don't take advice. Let me try to give you a picture. Give you an illustration. Imagine a young man, just great student all the way through school. Uh, Great GPA coming out of high school. Got into a great college. Was a great student in college. Graduated top of his class. Got the job of his dreams right out of college. At the age of 25, he suddenly inherits $10 million. He's set financially for life. His retirement's completely taken care of, but let me give you some of the backstory. While this guy was a good student, he was easily swayed up growing up through his life, up until this point in his life, he's known as someone who's easily swayed by his friends. He's also known as someone who hates to be taught. Someone who hates advice and correction and never receives counsel or seeks out counsel from older, wiser people. He's not teachable. You've seen this, haven't you? You've seen this story play out? Have you seen this story play out? You know what is going to happen. This guy's life will end up completely coming apart. And you say, maybe, well, he's got $10 million, he can get counseling. Only if he has the instinct to do so. Only if he realizes that he needs it, and that he needs help. You see, he doesn't take advice, he doesn't take wisdom. Only if he has the humility, 
and the wisdom to know that he needs help and needs someone else. Remember, wisdom is the ability to navigate through life and to do it well. And to do that, you've got to be humble. You've got to be teachable. You've got to be someone who receives lots of input and advice from other people. And so let me ask you, are you able to receive advice from older, wiser people? Young people, youth, students. I'll say it. You know who loves you more than anyone on this earth? God, of course, loves you more than anyone. But on this earth, your parents. Are you able to receive correction and advice from them? Or are you only receiving advice and counsel from your friends and peer groups? If so, you know what the Bible says that is? That is foolishness. Others of you this morning, do you only listen and take advice from the people within your own race, your own social class, and own political party? A wise person is someone who tries to see things through as many eyes as possible. A wise person is someone who sees something happening in the world or in our city or an event or something in the news and they go to someone outside of their race, political party, and class and they say, I think you and I see this differently. Would you please tell me how you're seeing this particular thing because I want to learn. Because I realize I don't know everything. A wise person is someone who loves learning from other people. They create a community of counselors around them, advisors and mentors and friends with whom they can go to and get a second opinion. They're a teachable, and they realize that you never graduate from the school of godly wisdom. There's always more to be had. You never can quite get to the bottom of it. And so here's my question again for you. Are you humble and teachable? If you do not know the answer to that question and you're married, ask your spouse. Are you able to be corrected by your spouse? Are you able to be corrected by uh, your friends? Ask a good friend if you don't have a spouse, if you're not married, someone who you know that loves you, and ask them, am I someone who has a posture that is going to thrive in the school of godly wisdom? Am I someone, ask them, who can be corrected or who seeks out advice from other people? I love the end of Luke chapter 2. Jesus is 12 years old. So this should tell us something. He's 12 years old. His parents can't find him. They spend three days looking for Jesus. They end up finding him in the temple. And you know what he's doing? It's in the text. Listening, learning, and asking questions. If the God-man, Jesus, is learning and asking questions, who are we to think that we have arrived? If he's asking questions and learning, who are we to think that we can stop listening and learning? Lastly, how do we get it? You know, the good news of the Bible is the Bible says that you can get wisdom. That this is something that we can actually grow in and develop. I love James chapter 1 verse 5. It'd be worth looking at later. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that's me, that's all of us, let him ask God for it. 
How often do you pray asking God for wisdom? It says, let him ask God for it, and then you know what it says? And it's not he'll think about giving it. He will give it. And the thing I want you to see there is wisdom is something that we should be praying for, but also I want you to see is where wisdom begins. Who is the giver and the source of wisdom? It's God himself, and it's exactly the same thing we see in the book of Proverbs. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Chapter 9, verse 8, or verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's spend a second on this phrase, the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Because that's really significant in the book of Proverbs. Let me try to explain it this way. All throughout the Bible, we see God as being a God who is holy and infinite and who's not to be trifled with. But at the same time, we see God is kind and gracious and loving and wants to be near to his people. And so the one hand, you have a God who will consume anything that's unholy and sinful that comes into his presence because he is so holy and infinite. But at the other, uh, on the other side of the coin, it's very clear that God doesn't want his people to relate to him out of fear and terror. But he wants us to relate to him out of love because of his graciousness and kindness towards his people. So here's a definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is worship, awe, reverence that comes from knowing who God is. Awe and reverence and worship that comes from knowing that God is holy and not to be trifled with, and yet at the same time, he's gracious and loves you. And that leads you to worship, saying, who is a God like this? A great illustration of this, it's possibly overused, but it doesn't get any better, uh, is from C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There's that amazing scene where Lucy and Susan find out that Aslan, who's the Christ figure in the story, they find out that Aslan is a lion and not a man. And Susan says to the uh, Mrs. Beaver, says, okay, let me understand this. He's a lion. I, I'm nervous about meeting a lion. And Mrs. Beaver says, well, yeah, you will be nervous. Make no mistake about it. If anyone can meet Aslan and their knees not be knocking, then they are either braver than most or they are just plain silly. And then Lucy replies and says, okay, but is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good, and he's the king, I tell you. That's the picture, the picture of the fear of the Lord. God is powerful and not to be trifled with, but he's good, and he loves you, and out of that flows worship and adoration and reverence. And so then the question becomes, wait a minute. How can God be holy and not to be trifled with and consumes anything in his presence and yet at the same time be loving? How do we reconcile those? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. It's on the screen behind me. I want to read this passage because I want you to follow with me uh, as I read. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified 
a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, here it is, the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. Who's the wisdom of God? Christ. Keep going, verse 30. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, and redemption. My goodness. My goodness. See what Paul is saying? Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is wisdom. I love Luke chapter 11, verse 31. The queen of, queen of the south came looking to the ends of the earth for wisdom, it says. You should look this up. Luke eleven thirty one, And then it says, behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. The greater Solomon, the Lord Jesus Christ, is here. And in God's infinite wisdom, and that seemingly impossible problem of how God can be holy and yet love sinners like us, in God's great wisdom, you know what He does? He becomes our substitute. He has the wrath that is poured out on our sin, poured out on Himself. And then He takes the perfect wisdom, the perfect life of Jesus... Jesus, who mastered the gray areas, who knew when to speak and when not to speak, who knew when to engage someone and when to be gentle, who knew when to work. And then you see Jesus getting away in solitude and praying. God, in His perfect wisdom, takes the perfect wisdom of Jesus and gives it to His people by faith alone. So that God, is this not amazing? God is both the just and the justifier. And it's important. This is important, what I'm about to say. Friends, the way to get wisdom is not to look at Jesus and go try to be like him. The way to get wisdom is not to look at Jesus and go try to be like him. It's not WWJD. That will crush you. That's like telling me, I like basketball, I grew up playing basketball. That's like telling a basketball player, go be like LeBron James. Go play like LeBron James. You know what that would do to me? That would crush me. Why? Because I'm never going to be LeBron James. I could never measure up to that. No, 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 don't try to be like Jesus. Worship Jesus. That's what we're called to do. It's be in awe and reverence of Jesus. And we worship Jesus when we see that He was willing to become a fool so that you and I could become wise. That Jesus willingly was mocked and crucified for fools like us. The wisdom of God, think about this, became the fool of the world. Friends, without the fear of the Lord, there is no wisdom And there is no fear of the Lord without worship of Jesus. And so friends, wisdom is calling you this morning. It's calling all of us. And wisdom is not a theological system or a worldview. Wisdom is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. And remember that wisdom, as we've talked about it here, it's for anybody who wants it. All you've got to do is humble yourself and admit that you need him, that you need the wisdom of God, Jesus. 
Consider that an invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for taking our sin and imputing to us and giving us your perfect life of wisdom. Would you forgive us this morning for our pride and for trying to be wise in our own eyes? I ask that you would send your spirit and that your spirit would point us to the wisdom of God, would point us to Jesus so that we would worship him and so that we would grow and advance in wisdom. We are asking you as a church and as a people to give us wisdom. Would you please do it in Jesus' name? Amen.